Headless Welcome to Pro Football Ireland, uh, presented by Eight Eight Sport, the official batting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Michael McQuaid, glad to be joined with Mark Hogan. Uh, we're getting closer. We've got the college game pulling up this weekend in Dublin, and loads of content across all of our networks. So do check it out. Uh, focusing on the NFL in this podcast or this episode, delighted to be joined by Goldman and this James Gal James. Um, deal with welcome in my man. How are you doing, gentlemen? Thanks for having me on and doing well. Doing well. The hurling is over now, so I'm looking forward to the NFL. One of my true the hurling's over. Yeah, exactly. I was going <laughs> to say it's funny because we. It's the it's the truest thing in the world because I think as GA fans we're the luckiest in the world that we have sport all year round. The summer only lasts now for about two or three weeks between the championship ending and then it kicks in for us because anytime we have one of the American guests on, even we brought this up with Scott Hansen back in April, we said to him if he needs to fill up his summertime, he just needs to get into the GA championship. Exactly, yeah. I suppose we're fortunate because like, we, we can be we can be supporters of multiple supports, sports. Like we can go, obviously the American sports run at different times of year. We can go at the GA, we can go at soccer. Soccer's only kicking off this weekend and, and all of our you know, our national sport is finished. So we, we, we turn into uh, international fans at this stage, yeah. So I've, I've mentioned United and I've the New England Patriots. So at the best of both worlds at the moment. Flying, hi, flying. We're actually recording this, folks, in the middle of the United's first match of the season last week. So we'll see how that goes time and time. Um, James, first off, obviously appreciate you coming on. We, we've had a few requests for this like and I'll not shout out names but like members of Pro Football Ireland like you should get James on you should get James like okay yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look I'll, I'll, I'll not annoy the man I'll, I'll say the crack but in all seriousness when we were DMing you were saying to me I've been a Patriots fan since 98 and I'm sitting there going like that's that's a lucky time to pick the New England Patriots how does a lad from Galway pick the Patriots in the first place yes interesting question and our and the thing is, my uh, my father would have been the youngest of all his siblings. So back when he was born in 1955, so you can imagine his siblings are obviously older, born previous. And him being the youngest, he had to stay at home uh, for farm purposes. So all, the, all his older siblings immigrated. So all my uncles and my aunts immigrated to Boston predominantly. So so if you go through the the, this kind of the, the late 60s, early 70s, my uncles and aunts, they chip off, go to Boston. They're there 30, 40 years by the time I come around to an age. So in 1998, I'm 10 years of age. Father says to me, let's go, we'll hop on a plane and visit all your aunts and uncles. Now, they would have been home back and forth for, for years previous since I was a child. And so it uh, just happened to be the situation in Boston where I think a, a large portion of the diaspora is, is Goa-based. Um, and that's where it really all started. Like, I suppose my my uncle would have been a kind of, I suppose, a baseball fan first. So I would have started off with the Red Sox. Um, that coincided with some great players too. I lucky to get to see the Mo Valhas, the Pedro Martinez, the Norma garcia Paris, these, 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 these players, and then let's say that brought me on to, to uh, to the NFL into into uh, Drew Bledsoe country and Tom Brady, and so then obviously the, the Gillette Stadium was in, during construction from like '98 over to '02, and I was back and forth to, from to America as I got older, and I, I actually lost count. I haven't enough fingers and toes to count the amount of times I've been over there, you know, and just like even some stop off visits. So what I try to do now on a yearly basis, if possible, although COVID interrupts that, is head out on a Thursday, catch a game at the weekend, to come home on the Monday. So at least you've got your free accommodation to a degree with your with your with your family. They'll sort the tickets and then I'm back at work Monday morning or Tuesday morning. So that's how it all kind of derived. And I, I, you, you said there, Michael, about being the luckiest fan. And there's no two ways about it. I don't, I don't deny it and say yes. I am absolutely blessed to have picked up the Patriots and to be. I wouldn't say born into that franchise, but at least you know have a family connection towards that area. 
Everyone thinks, oh, it's called Tom Brady. No, it's actually before that. Before Tom Brady came along and I just got lucky. So here I am. Happy this. And I love it. And I, I know people who watch this go a lot of gyms on and that's, it's really interesting how you just described that there because like, unless you had said that, I never would have known because it's not, it's not as if it's anywhere online, gyms. Um, yeah. We're talking off camera there about Galway footballers and the, and the Patriots. I'm, I'm not sure if you want to go into detail on that or just what we were talking about before, before we plow it on. Well, I suppose people like, it's, I think it's no secret locally and at least I mean, on my own area how much I actually love the Patriots, you know. And we see, it kind of leads me on to, when I, when I speak about my family being over there, it's, it's, I feel like it's one of my home teams, if that makes sense, you know. So it's like a deep connection. Capitals where I'm from in Galway. Galway is my county. But Boston and the Patriots are my people over there as well. So I was asked one night at a fundraiser, a club fundraiser. It was a bit of crack. We were raising a few, uh, uh, some money. It was a bit of a quiz and whatnot. And then at the end of it, uh, the MC, who happens to be my other cousin, says to me, right, he said, uh, what would you ra- who would you rather win more in their respective competitions? Would you rather Manchester United win the Champions League? Would you rather the Galway footballers win that Ireland? Or would you rather the Patriots win the Super Bowl? And without backing eyelids, I said the Patriots. Now, when you say that amongst the whole host of Galway people, they're, 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 they're flabbergasted. They cannot understand this. So, and I stand by it. Like, Patriots are my team. Football, for, uh, uh, they, they have their supporters, they have their people in different parts of the county. But for me, Pats all day long. Michael, we're going to have to get a post up, a poll on the Twitter asking people what they want to see their county win in all Ireland because that is probably the most controversial thing that's been said on the Pro Football Ireland. I don't know if we have that in that. that <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely incredible. I think it, it makes me do cartwheels in my head. But it is so interesting to hear because it does show the growth and your passion is insane. But do you know what? Is it growing in Galway? Is there people almost to talk about it? Because I'll look back in uh, the beginning of the Hurling Championship. I was down in... Nolan Park for the Kilkenny match mm-hmm. and someone spotted me and they came over to me and they said um, how is Gerard McInerney's cousin getting on I said Gerard McInerney's cousin yeah. are you aware of the story Shane McInerney, yeah. McInerney we interviewed him over in Phoenix is a kicker over there mm-hmm. and I had no idea that his cousin it was the same McInerney family is he one of, is Gerard is into it is there a, a cohort of the Galway team that was talking about it I think for funnily enough let's say we um we did like this thing. There was a Super 15s, it was or Super 11s, excuse me, it was called back uh, a few years ago, whereby it was kind of a, a different type of hurling competition, which was brought to Fenway Park. You might remember. Um, and going back now, probably four or five years ago, excuse me, <clears throat> back in like 2017, 2018. But uh, Galway went out and pledged, you know, Dublin Clare and a couple. Of but I actually got tickets to see uh, to see the Patriots in the Bills. So I asked a couple of the guys, "Do you want to go?" And one of the first guys for his hand up was McInerney. So, Garage Mac, myself, and John Henbury was another avid pity he's a Giants fan he just digged me about Eli Manning every time he sees me but we went over to the game to watch the Bills and uh, just Josh Allen getting started so yeah Mac was a supporter I think as a whole I think American sports particularly basketball and NFL have caught on probably in the last five or six years and I think that kind of coincides with obviously social media exploding and also with the way Sky Sports operate in red zone so I think from an Irish perspective most people want to see the best of, of all games me personally I like the individual game I like to watch the game itself but I think most people would like to see the red zone where they get all the best clips you know on a Sunday evening so I think that's where kind of it was a snowball effect and you can see jerseys being worn memorabilia hats you name it it's all getting kind of multiplying on a scale and in Galway I see it all the time even guys in my own club here they're wearing going around with Raiders hats and Green Bay hats you know and like they know it's not just a piece of token a token uh, clothing they, actually, they know the players and I think it's grown 
And I think this slowly but surely, that coincides with the London games. And I'd love to see a Dublin game. You know, so I think we're branched out to different countries, you know, heading to Germany and whatnot and Mexico previously. So I'm hoping, I'm praying, that we graduate from a college game onto an NFL game. I'll let you in a second, Michael, but you know, I actually think it's it's such an interesting point that you've touched on there because I was one of those that noticed on the sidelines of GA matches in particular, the hats, the beanies, because they were so warm in the summer and the wintertime, yeah. were become more and more popular. And it was something that I it was discussed when we were up in Crow Park when the Steelers had announced it. And when the games went on to GA Go recently, someone said, Well, why is there a link? Why are they showing the Steelers games on GA Go? And it's like there's a natural fan base there that has started out at hats and then through maybe liking a hat, they turned on that team on red zone. And then it's gradually built and built and built. And yeah. whatever about the Dublin game, I think it will absolutely come. But I think it's such a natural, like we were talking about at the very beginning, it's such a natural fan base because we're sports mad in the country. But when our GA season ends, we're straight in to be able to watch the NFL. So I think you're dead right with what you're saying. Yeah. I was like, we need that. I think, I think Irish people have that. We're, we're kind of built that way, similarly in from a sporting perspective to Americans, whereby we need high-octane, high-intensity sport. And like the NFL gives you that in spades. So that's why I think, that's why I think the people transitioned from, from Gaelic football, from hurling, straight over to NFL, because it's obviously chalk and cheese in terms of sport, what it gives you, very, very similar. And as I said there, I'll certainly start saying there was for, for a game here at I think it'll happen in this decade and I have no sources whatsoever. I'm just going to put that out there and say that. And if it does happen, it'll be pretty cool to see it. Um, as a true man, James, I'm very jealous when I see counties that do so well at dual, at dual sports in terms of GEA. If people aren't aware of what I'm talking about, I'll be open and honest for anyone that isn't GEA oriented listening to this. That's both football and hurling. Um, there is a great hurling scene up here in Dungallon, so I'll give Owen Rue a shout out, for example. However, um, and you've, ta- you've mentioned it there, like ta- Tag Leader has brought, has brought you know footballers, rugby stars, and he, he's trying to get them into America. You have touched on it briefly there. Just because hurling isn't so much as kicking, for example, do you still feel like there are opportunities or ways that that game can sort of come together and, and players that do play hurling as their primary sport could maybe look at transitioning a wee bit more? Or do you yeah. think it's because it's football is more natural? No, I, I actually, I think football and AFL are, are very, very closely linked. I actually don't think football and NFL are linked at all. I think, first of all, the NFL, the Americans put an awful lot of um, weight on your your athleticism, you know, your 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 ability to move fast, move fluid, move strong, you know. And I think when you look at hurling and football together, they're quite similar in that instance. Like both sets of players, you know, can be very fluid, can move in multi-directional, can shift big weight, can jump high, etc. And all of those are attributes of of NFL players. And I I think from a hurling perspective, I always put put um I put weight on hand-eye coordination. So I always look at hurlers and say, yeah. You could be a wide receiver. You could be potentially tight end if you're big enough. You know, quarterbacks is a different story entirely. I, I don't think any Irish person can be a quarterback just yet because you know it's something you have to be born with and ingrained it and and taught through it from school, college, etc. You know, but I, I think from some some of the skill positions, certainly, uh, obviously we go kickers and punters and holders, etc. But tight ends, wide receivers, and then you get the odd person who could be an offensive lineman, you know, defensive lineman. But yeah, I think it's something that can transition. Uh, obviously, you know, with Christian Wade in years previously, you'd say right, you know, the uh, and, and your man Payne from um, Australia with, with the Niners, but they're kind of more based towards the running back. I don't think us Irish just yet have that level of athleticism, truthfully speaking, because coming from an amateur perspective. So I think we're probably limited to getting our hands on the ball, but getting the ball passed to us, i.e., receivers and tight end. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I was reading uh, Bruce Arians' book this year and he was putting such a, a stress on a quarterback has to play more than just football when he's younger, American football when he's younger. He has to play multiple sports, whether that's soccer for uh, Bruce Arians' own son wanted to go to the NFL, was never good enough because he wasn't big enough, but he started playing soccer and he did play a year in the NFL as a result. So it is, you know, I mean, this is not just the, the GA point of view, but it does show that the, this transferable skills there and hurling, like I said, the hand-eye coordination. I mean, I don't think that we're physically, a lot of Irish people are going to be gifted enough to make it to this elite level. But yeah, I suppose punting and kicking is a good way to start. Yeah. But I suppose when we, we fast forward a bit more to um, actually talking about some Patriots here, because, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't, but they've had a few weird years now. Uh, obviously, you're one of those that we able to, we can go in deep on this. How are you feeling with Matt Jones at the moment? I mean, is the glass half empty or glass half full? Baby Zappi could have had his job last year. Yeah. He then ended the season well with Bill O'Brien in there now. They're after getting Juju. They've got Mike Giusecki. They have some past catchers. Do you think that he can have a breakout year or are you kind of like, no, this has to be a big year for him or let's get someone else in the building? Well, I think I think after year one, let's say when he turned into a pro bowler. Now I, I don't want to it's a it's a defective pro bowler, you could say, but like he was really effective. You know, com, coming out rookie into the quarterback position is not simple, right? In year two, I don't think he was helped. I don't think having, you know, let's say different coordinators, let's put it that way, who who weren't exactly, I I, I hate to say it, qualified. <laughs> in my opinion, you know, George George has been a quarterback stroke, coach Matt Patricia Collins plays. It just didn't feel right for me looking from the outside in. So I don't think he was facilitated. Couple that with a bit of in a bit of injury. And plus, his whole demeanor didn't look very confident last year. Like he was getting quite, you know, narky, you know, and 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 shouting at an awful lot, which would you'd associate with other quarterbacks. But they've they've earned the right because they back it up. So here I am in year three, saying right, he's got Bill O'Brien back out of Alabama, huge offensive mind. His offensive line is okay. I still have a concern over the right ta- at the right right tackle position. He's got a couple of more weapons in Juju and Gazeki and Parker, etc. I'm concerned that we lost Myers. So I think. Our, for, our our first four or five games are tricky, I won't lie to you. Having the Eagles first up is not, not a great one, but at least it's, it's at home. But I think all the tools are there for him. So now it's just a case of no more excuses. Just just get on with it at this stage and show us what you got. And you could be look you could be staring down the barrel of, you know, a potential two and three start. You know, realistically speaking, look at the opposition that we're going to face up, you know, with the Dolphins, Eagles, etc. And if if that happens, you know, like the Patriots people, they're ruthless. They're absolutely ruthless. Like you, you look at what happened after the preseason game there during the week, when um, when uh, Jones at the start, Zappi came in, did okay. McSorley didn't do it off, and then Malik came in, and now they're looking at Malik saying he's the next coming of of Lamar Jackson because he went to Louisville. So I, I think people once they see uh, someone who's who's competing and and winning games, that's the big thing. Winning games was all the Patriots want, and like you can go back as far as like when Tom Brady got injured and then Jimmy G stepped up. Jimmy G was the next big thing, and then there was actually people actively siding with Jimmy G. And then look at Tom Brady comes on and wins another two Super Bowls. So I think patience, I won't say it's running thin. I think what there was an acceptance last year that he did, he wasn't exactly facilitated with, with, with what was going on around him. Whereas this year now I'm saying, right, you've got what you need. You've got what you need. Now go and do it. So I think if you get halfway, get to the bye week, it's week 11 or 12 for us, I think. And that'll tell an awful lot. That's what I always do. I look at the, up to the bye week. Who have we got? And I'm thinking if we can get, if we get a five and five on six and four, I will check that into the bye week. And if Mac produces that, then, I, then I'm sorted. Yeah, because like what you allude to there, so we is it even been confirmed that Matt Patricia was the play caller last year? That was the confusion that was going on. Like we still, and they, so they do have Bill Bell, uh, Bill O'Brien back in this year. He was in Alabama once upon a time. 
Uh, obviously, that's the same where uh, Mac Jones came from. And the RPO, I think, is going to be reintroduced because, like you said, Matt Patricia came from a defensive coordinator background. He gave no easy throws at all to ever help out Mac Jones to get him comfortable in the offense. Yeah. And that's what happened later on in the year that they did simplify it a bit and it became a lot easier. And so you're talking about the opening schedule for the Patriots. I'll run, it, I'll run through it now because you might have the element of surprise but it is extremely tough. You're going Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, your first four games, and then you might get let up against the Saints. It is a brutal opener, but maybe there is the element of surprise there that they're going to get off to the hot start. Because, you know, this is why I'm saying glass half full or half empty. You're talking about that pro ball year. I know is he got there because someone else didn't show up, but he did show a lot of talent in those last few weeks in his final in the final few weeks of his rookie season. He did, but then, see, and I understand that, and sometimes you can... You can be the new kid on the block and take teams by surprise because you know we know like NFL teams they watch the world of tape and they break you down before you even know what you're doing yourself and so they get into the you can be in a scheme and like you could have often uh, opposition defenses have you read and I think in the first year I think he got away with it a bit to be honest you know I, I won't lie he I think he had a good year a solid year for a rookie but then last year especially there we we were heading for a wild card spot and then he goes to the Buffalo game. You know, three interceptions. I know he got three TDs. Don't get me wrong. I'm content with that. But three interceptions in the manner in which he threw them. It's like, Jesus, in, in a high-profile game, this is to get us a spot in the wild card. And it, it feels like he kind of... I hate to use the word choke. <laughs> I hate to use that in American terms. But you know He kind of let us down a bit, you know. So you're kind of saying, right. And again, I put those two years to bed. I've seen, I'm saying he's learned the hard way and he's learned some good things. And again, put Bill O'Brien beside him. And uh, I know in the old Belichick way... Belichick will never say, yeah, he's a number one starter. We're, we're behind him. He hasn't said it yet. I know in the, in the roster, in the depth chart, he's down at number one, but he hasn't come out and said, Max, our quarterback. That's a bit concerning too, especially for teammates. Do you know what I mean? If you're, if you're wide receivers, tight ends or whatever, O-line, you want to know he's our quarterback, he's our starter. Maybe they know in-house, but even it, it doesn't uh, exactly help the supporters who still have some nervousness. Yeah, dead right. It's the biggest Bill Belichick thing in the world to not ever give the guy because who was it a few years ago? Was it like, uh, the first round draft pick, he wouldn't give him a number. He gave him like a number 89 number because even though the team needed to sell jerseys for the first round pick, they would not assign him because Bill Belichick was like, he hasn't earned his number yet, which is absolutely outrageous. That's a great question. Who was that now? I can, Michael, we'll look into it in a second. Was, but was you know, I think it was Nikhil Harry. Was I, 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 I looked into it. it. It was, no, I think it was Nikhil Harry. And for look, uh, do you know, and that know. Ties in, it, it, that, this is exactly it. I suppose I was going to ask you. How have you found, I suppose, the post-Tom Brady year? Because you've had that failed Nikhil Harry uh, year. You had that weird Cam Newton year. You've had a rotation at running back that's included everyone under the sun, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Rex Burkhead. Uh, has it been kind of better as a fan to like be able to realise what you had? Or is it frustrating now being like, we know how to get this done, we just can't get these right players into the building? Well, I, I think, like obviously, you put ferocious weight on the quarterback position. And for me, going through it in lifetime when we had Tom Brady, like I knew, like this, this is—he's a gem. He's going down probably as the greatest, greatest player of all time. So like, I wasn't, you know, kind of getting in any ways complacent, saying this is going to last forever. This is great. So Father Time catches up with everybody and caught up with him. But it's a bit similar that we'd like. But after his era, you're trying to put some weight on the Belichick coaching. You're going to say, right, we have all the tools there. We still have the same owner, same facilities, same coaching staff. You're saying they can rebuild again. And, you know, there's always been questions around the Patriots draft. I, I myself have said, I, I just can't understand some of the picks he's had because they don't, they never seem to get the highlight player. They never seem to get, you know, even that year with Akeel Harry, like there was four or five players we could have had who turned out to be gems. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to see 
a CD Lamb. I'd love to see an AJ Brown. Like, and we never seem to go get those people. We're always going for the the linemen, and the, and and so whether both defense and offensive linemen and kickers, you know, and special teams. And I know Belichick is kind of the guy who's he's more schematic first. Like every, that, the players will fit the scheme as opposed to the scheme fitting the player, which I understand. I get that. But like every now and then, you'd love to see a big signer or a big draft pick. You know, go back to Antonio Brown. That was awesome. We thought that was going to be that like that would work out well. That didn't work out well. Randy Moss. Beyond those two, you know, he had he had a splash in free agency three years ago, and I, even when he splashed in free agency, and I was looking at you know Nelson Aguilar, I was thinking that's not a great boy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hunter Henry, John Smith, delighted. So there is question marks over at the minute. Like he's got a good draft at the moment with White and Gonzalez. I'm quietly content with them on the defensive side of the ball, but on the attacking side, look, you got Douglas, you got Thornton, you got loads of speedsters down there. But I just hope that the scheme fits our players you know and a worrisome thing is that we've got Gazeki and Parker they seem to be the Dolphins seconds at the minute whereas in years previous it was always us sending down the seconds to Miami but they seem to come up to us now so I'm hoping it works out you know in Bill we trust in Bill we trust you just have to revert back to last year and, and Cole Strange a guy that was really the third rider going in the first round and I'll never forget waking up and seeing the, the, the video from Sean McVay Sean McVay laughing yeah yeah it, it was it was, good. it was good content, James. To be fair, like it was, uh, it was mad. Um, t- tell us this. Um, we we had events in like Belfast, Dublin, and you know around Ireland over the last couple of years, and it's been mad to see James. First off, honestly, like the amount of Patriots fans, it's unbelievable. Like at these at these meetups, but the amount of want to say to us, like just when we're chatting to them beforehand or afterwards, that they're sort of Bucks fans or where they follow Brady after. Did you find that you sort of followed Brady after he left or was it very much just a focus on New England? And how did you feel whenever he won the Super Bowl one year out from leaving? Look, fair play to him. You know, I, because he, he created such history with the Patriots, he raised six banners up in, up in, up in Boston. You, you can't hate the man. Even when he returned last year, like, there was a standing ovation in the stadium. Um, but I, I do know that people, let's say in Boston, they went and bought season tickets for Tampa. You know, and even my own family, like they were saying, that they were disgusted with the way the Patriots had treated Tom Brady in that last year, and you know, obviously the way the Titans blew them out in the, in the playoff game, that they were nearly siding with Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady had given us so much over the last twenty odd years, and that he thought that my family thought that he should have been rewarded with whatever request he, he asked for. And I think the Antonio Brown thing, the Demetrius Thomas thing, you know, the I think as well with um like uh, Alex Guerrero, that kind of all that coming together, I think probably just. Truthfully speaking, p- pissed off Tom Brady, and he just he made his bed and said, "I'm out of here," you know. And when he won the Super Bowl, like I, you'd be happy for him, like and I, first of all for the team he beat, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want the Chiefs to win, and also to see Gronk. Like Gronk is my guy. Gronk is my favorite player. Always will be my favorite player. No one will top the Gronk. And um, to see him going together and beating the Chiefs, yeah, fair players to them. But first of all, first and foremost, I want to see them in the Patriots Patriots uh, uniform. So to answer your question, no, I was not a Bucks fan. Happy for them if when they're there. But I much rather see them up in the up in the blue in Boston. Um, sort of staying on the whole Brady thing, like you, it was at the end of twenty twenty that you announced your retirement from playing intercounty hurling with Galway. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Brady's just walked away. Now, look, I'm not going to start saying James that you're going to go and buy a football club in like the League of Ireland or something <laughs> and do what Tom Brady done. But, um, you, I, I think you can see like you can see on social media. I, I feel now like he's he's maybe sitting there watching like all the young quarterbacks in preseason at the weekend there thinking, 
God, I'd love, I'd love another shot. Like I watched Baker Mayfield playing for the Bucks this weekend. It's like, God, they need Brady back right now. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. What's it like to leave like the big time, like that stage where we've been around for so long? And it may, it must be difficult, but I guess in Brady's sense, when he's won so much as well, like and he's been around for so long. I mean, you you had a hell of a long career as well in a good way as well. Yeah, I think I suppose I had a, I had a long, like a fifteen years ago, and you know I enjoyed most of it. You see, there's always there's, there's hard points of having that kind of career too, like you know getting getting beaten, uh, injuries, you know, trying to get your starting place, etc. So like obviously Tom Brady was a starter for his whole career. He was the the ultimate sportsman in terms of his com- his competitiveness. If you if you hear anyone in across the water talking about Tom Brady, the first thing they talk about it is his winning attitude, his competitive. You know, so I think from his perspective, he'd always say even to the day he's you know, eight years of age, he'd say he can compete, that he's got the tools to do it. So he's coming from a different mindset. Um, but I, I think he probably looked at his, his, his roster down in Tampa and said, yeah, I, there's enough here. There comes a time as well in top-level sport where you say, look, it's just the, the body won't listen to me anymore. I can't, I can't physically do what my mind wants it to do. And that's the hardest part to take as an athlete. If you, like in years previous where you would have, you know, ran a certain distance at a certain time or moved a certain distance within a certain time and when your body starts to kind of go against you somewhat, that's very, very hard to take because then you don't have the tools at your disposal that you always had. And those tools is what you base your performance off. And like, so then even Tom Brady, he was, his last year was was, was good. <laughs> it, was, it was okay by all accounts to say. You know, it was nearly pro bowl caliber, you could say. But his tools that he had in going right back to his early days, right up to the 07 season and onwards, you know, they just won, they, they were beginning to subside a small bit. And I think coincided, coincided with his personal life and some of the chatter around Tampa, it's just, I think, I think he made a right decision. I was quite content for him to, for, for him to retire and move on because he's the type of person who will always elevate himself into any, you know, system or, or, or business or, or consortium, whatever it is that he goes into. So that's, I was surprised to see him go into uh, Birmingham. I actually tweeted what was like, in a nice way, what's going on here? Why did he pick Birmingham? <laughs> Why can't he pick Galway United or something like that? But uh, look, he, I think he just needs something. I think he needs something to focus his, his energy and his competitive spirit. If that makes sense, you know, he's he. I think he'll stay in sport, you know, for life. Truthfully speaking, and he'll find top. He'll stay in touch with top level sport and try to influence these teams like he's begun to do. Yeah, it's an interesting one, though. Like, I mean, do we need to rush this out, Michael, before Tom Brady unretires again? Because I'm one of those people that thinks he's gone, Michael. I know you don't con- completely think he's gone. I don't. I I, th- I think he's gone now. I think I think even it's it's mad how much he's aged you know, in six months. Yeah, I yeah. think he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, I suppose I keep on. I, I keep on. Yeah, I keep on linking him now with kind of um, JJ Watt has been pushing Burnley. I think he has shares in Burnley, and he he wants to be known as no, I was here first or whatever because he's posting his hats or whatever. But you know, uh, one of the other names that has been kind of thrown around, will he be with New England in the year's time? And I think it's sacrilegious to even be talking about this. But Bill Belichick. You know, there's. I, I saw Asante Samuel Jr., their former Patriots cornerback, saying that he's overpaid now, that he was once the best in the game. He's no longer there. Uh, a lot of fans and certainly teams or people that aren't fans of the Patriots are saying that he hasn't been able to get them back to the Patriots, or sorry, back to the playoffs. Can you see ever? And look, there does seem to be, I suppose it should be said, that there is there a rift coming between Robert Kraft and himself. That's what people are saying but do you do you see any way that in a year's time even if he doesn't have Don Tudor's record which he probably won't have do you think that he'd be gone I don't see I suppose he, he's got a couple of duties like he's acting GM and head coach which you know is, is a truth to be honest guys it's a rarity 
nowadays. Obviously, you have to you, you usually have two people occupying each position. Um, so what I'd like if if in the event the Patriots don't have a successful season this year, what I'd like to see is is a high level GM come in place and work in, in tandem with Bill Belichick. Because I think Bill Belichick, the coach, does does no one to question his knowledge, question his experience, obviously, question his in game play play call, and I think that's ab- absolutely fantastic. Um, some of his GM, I suppose, decisions with what people, my family anyway, <clears throat> would question the most. You know, whether it be his free agent signings, whether it be his his contract agreements with some players, or his or his draft picks. You know, or even even his his coaching, uh, the way he fills fills some of the positions. Case in point, last year. So I think <clears throat> the question is never is never around his head coaching ability. I think it's around maybe he's some of his GM duties. So if in the event, as I said, yet things don't don't go the way, I would hope that himself and Robert Kraft come together, find an amicable solution. If he wants to stay on, stay on, mind you, and put in a high level GM, because from the Bill Bel- Belichick or even the Patriots, you know, coaching tree, GM tree, an awful lot of GMs have gone on and and been with 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 huge franchises. You know, you go to the Rams, you know, even Arizona, you go to the Washington. All these people had people who came from the Patriots under Belichick and Kraft and, you know, blossomed. So I think the potential is there. Maybe whether it's an in-house fire, I'm not sure. Or whether the Belichick moves moves over to GM in full time, I can't see that happening because I don't think the qualified is the wrong word to use. I don't think he's best suited to that position, to be fair. You know, I think if you nominate someone within to work with him, that's the best solution for me because I do I do see it coming down the tracks, guys. If we don't go well this year, like for me, we have to win a playoff game. Playoffs is number one. Qualifying is number one. But we have to win a playoff game. If we win a playoff game, we're all good. Move on to the, move on to next year and so on. But yeah, hopefully hopefully the, the future remains bright. We haven't. It is great we're doing this because we haven't had a, a market of we had a Patriots episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say this now. In the middle of August, I think this is Belichick's last year, and like I think he'll walk away at the end of the year. I think I don't think they'll make the playoffs because of the AFC and. I guess we can talk about that towards the end, and I'm gonna start. People are gonna go, hey, you, you don't like the Patriots? People listen. I, I don't mind them. Like the, the more competitive they are, the year the better the AFC is. So, like, of course, I want to be competitive this year. And yeah. I'm really intrigued to see what's gonna happen with the quarterback. Um, but I suppose you might as well, you might as well talk about. It. I I can't see him mm-hmm. going because he's within touching distance of Don Shula. Now it'll probably take two years. Like, what's it far away off? Though? He's, like, he's like two and a half seasons off, though, isn't it? Like, no, it's about seven. If he won, he's. If if he gets about nine wins this year, he'll be he'll need eight the next. Like he only needs to have five hundred level seasons. I suppose what you're talking about, James, is the real concern. It's that it's the AFC East, and that's like if he's in if he's in the AFC South, he gets it done. If he's in the NFC South, he gets it done. If he's even in the NFC West, potentially he gets it done, or he certainly makes a massive dent into it. But how worried are you about the the division? Are you worried? It's the most talked about division and they're the least talked about team in it, which is a bad sign almost. Yeah, like I think for years, for 20 years, the AFC East, I, I, think, I do believe it's because of Tom Brady, guys. I do believe that, that high-level quarterbacks didn't come to the AFC East because they knew they'd go up against Tom Brady, that they knew that of the six games they play, two of them were automatic <laughs> defeats, if you want to call it that. But now, when it's not like they, they smell blood. Mac Jones is there. There's a, there's a, there's a question over the Patriots organization. Now they come in. So obviously you got Josh Allen. Like he, Josh Allen is is is, is a guy I give a grade A during terms of quarterback play. Tua, Tua's got weapons, guys. He's got weapons, and he's got a serious head coach that 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 plays to his game. So like Miami are, st- are strong, and now you've got bloody Aaron Rodgers coming in, <laughs> and like mix, mixing mixing his juice in the AFC. So now we've got a serious situation whereby, from a Patriots perspective, we play six division games, and I'm saying to myself, God, I'd be happy if I get two wins, three wins. Whereas in years previous it was six out of six, six without question. 
I could start the year six out of six. At worst, five and one. Because down in Miami, we notoriously go, go bad down there. So, but, but here I am. This is two and four. <laughs> this is a two and four job, you know. And that's reality. And like, as much as I'd love to say it, that we go five, five more. I just know we're not like. I know we're not. I know go, going to Buffalo. I know the year before last, we did we did great, win fourteen ten in terrible conditions. But look what happened last year. We got blown out again. And they they can come. The teams like like Gillette Stadium was a fortress for years. So who can come and win in Gillette? Miami did it last year. Buffalo can do it. You know. And now the Jets are Aaron Rodgers. Like he's cool as ice. Look at the guys he's got around him. So. Yeah, it's a question of the year. I think it's the strongest, for me, personally speaking, it's the strongest division in the NFL at the moment. Um, it's got the most high-level quarterbacks. We're, we're talking about two A-rated quarterbacks in the one division. I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah, just uh, That's the way I say it, you know? So so here we are. But look, all you can do is just keep on rocking and hopefully that Belichick, Belichick schemes it up and we can squeeze out a 500-level performance. Absolutely. And we had, we've got two or three more questions last year, James, just before sure. we go. We had, um, we had Owen Murphy. Obviously, Kilkenny keeper uh, at Jeff Reinbold's night in Dublin the week before the Super Bowl in February. And uh, by the way, in case, well, I mean, we're, we're a good half hour into this. We're coming to Limerick for the same thing in January. So if anybody's listening to this, more information soon. James, you're more than welcome. We'll, we'll talk about that offhand. Um, obviously, Owen's a big Ravens fan, but obviously, yeah. James being a big Patriots fan. he uh, Owen was asked about Bill Belichick and about the similarities between uh, his. Owen's former head coach Brian Cody and Bill Belichick is there anybody in Hurling maybe outside of Cody that could even stand up to Bill Belichick at all God that's a good that's a good question like initially straight away when you ask me the question my gut tells me no no there's not <clears throat> I think when you go through the like he's had a strong first of all what team would, would, would throw away draft picks and do a trade for a coach you know in division so that's the first thing you know uh I, I, I think at the moment there's not I think if you go back in history you're probably looking towards the Brian Cody area truthfully speaking you are um, but it's hard to pick some guys it's hard to pick someone who has done the, the level who's had the level of sustained success that Belichick has had and he's held it with an iron fist you know and he's had he's maintained the same look the same presence the same tone like the, the man looks homeless guys when he's doing like when he's doing his media like he, the, the jumper the hoodie's ripped you know, the hair's all over the place. He has to shave. I mean, my God, <laughs> I think he is like he wasn't dressed for, for anything. But the trouble is he, he he has had such a good hold over that organization for 20 odd years that I think his position is nearly irreplaceable. That's why I, I guess why, go back to your other question, guys, I can't see it, him being replaced, you know. And so if you flip that over to GA circles, nobody at the minute, maybe if you go to football, lads, and go back to the Jim Gavin area, if, if he stayed in, you know, what he developed in Dublin, Maybe you could, you could say that you could have some kind of comparison for those two. But again, he didn't do it for long enough. We're talking 20-odd years. And we're talking six Super Bowls in a system that is designed for parity, equal parity. So he's, he was able to do it on a repetitive level, you know. So uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to go to no, but a close a close comparison, Jim Gap. If anyone's listening and kind of wants something really interesting, a book I've been reading at the moment is Freezing Cold Takes, if anyone knows the Twitter page. And it's basically gone back to when Bill Belichick went from the New York Jets and, like you said, the trade there. And how uh, basically he had a clause with the Jets that as soon as Bill Parcells went, he would automatically become the Jets head coach. And then we know that he showed up to the press conference and he was gone. And the kind of the animosity that was there and how it didn't get off to the perfect start with New England, but now he's gone on to become the greatest coach of all time, which it's definitely something interesting. I suppose you would probably love it. Uh, it's a good chapter now. Um, 
but yeah, kind of fast forwarding, and it was kind of talking about his defensive philosophy and that. The defense now at the moment seems to be year four of a four-year plan, just because they've had to kind of reset there. I know when you're talking about him being a general manager and you're talking about how he like let the likes of Stephon Gilmore go over the last few years and that. Uh, I think between Josh Uche and Matthew Judon, we put out a graphic there recently about who the best pass rushing duo is in the NFL at the moment. I think that duo is absolutely up there. Josh Uche is a backup last year. The games that he came in, it was like, yeah. what, he had nine nine games at nine sacks or something when he came in last year as a start. He was absolutely phenomenal. How excited are you for the defense? It seems that like Belichick should have a big year with it again. Yeah, I think like, I think people associate Belichick with being a defensive minded coach. I think that goes without saying, to be honest. And like Matt Patricia, when he stays when he stays in his defensive lane, he's quite good as well. He's won Super Bowls with the Patriots in that position. Um, traditionally, the Patriots would have a top ten defense. You know, they, they usually have a top top ten. It's a rarity we 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 have the top defense. I went back a couple of years ago. There we had it, um, but. If you go through, like, obviously our front seven, let's see, you've got, you've got Godshaw, Guy, you know, you've got Judon, you've got Uche, then you go back, you've got Jennings, you've got Juwan Bentley, then go back further, you've got Mills, you've got, you know, Duggar's a stud, Duggar's a stud, now you've got Gonzalez. So, like, you go through our front, our middle linebackers, outside linebackers, our secondary, all good, all really, really effective, and they can play in schematics. We can play zone play, we can play man-to-man, you know, so whatever team we come up against, and, like, if, even if you go in your own division where you've got Wilson, you've got Deegs, you've got Waddle, you've got Hill, etc., we can we can take them. We can take them because we can play an effective zone play like we would have had done with, with Patrick Mahomes in, in years previous. We did it up in Buffalo against Josh Allen. You know, so the tools are there for the Divians. So, so I think if the offense can stay on the field, this is the thing, guys. Can we get through third down? But that's the thing with Mac Jones out. Can he get through third down? If the offense can can keep a string of plays, stay on the field, move the chains for seven, eight, nine, ten minutes, which is what you you became associated with the Patriots in, in ball retention and ball control, then it gives the defense to have a chance to keep everything below sub twenty. You know, if you keep if you keep games nowadays below sub twenty, you know you're going to win. Really speaking, you have a huge chance to win. When they go above sub above twenty and head to thirty, realistically, you've got to, <laughs> that means your your defense is on the is on the field an awful lot. So I'm I have great confidence in our defense. I have great confidence in our special teams in, in every phase. But situationally, can we do it in the offense? That's the big question to complement the other two. It was finally double question. First off, are you coming to Frankfurt this year? And if not, why not? And we can certainly hook you up in terms of that there with everything apart from tickets. Uh, and finally, you're, you definitely see what we can do there. And finally, you know, you've been a fan for nearly as long as, you know, I've been in the soccer, never mind the NFL. Like, this, it's, it's an unbelievable time to have been a Patriots fan, even up until now. Um, what's been your favourite team? I have two favourite teams, okay? Um, one, I it's, tro- it's, it's tough for me to say because we didn't win it. So the 07 Patriots. You know, they were electric, lads. Like, they were absolutely electric. And, you know, you've great memories watching them. And, like, at the time, I know we didn't win it, okay? And I know John Hanbury, if he's listening, he'll say Eli Manning. And, you know, he keeps, he's, Tom Brady didn't beat him. And I know he didn't beat him. But in, in terms of electricity, that team was electric, weren't they? They were just electric. They scored points at will. I think, I, I could be open to correction, but there was the highest points differential, differential in, in the history of the game. Check that one for me. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a close second last year, I believe. So that's 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 a little nugget of, of information for you. Um, and I think a special one for me then was when we beat the Rams, <clears throat> excuse me, in 19, of the 18th season, 19. That was the last one because I watched it with my newborn. Got her a little onesie. Uh, she's only three days old, four days old. And the thing, my uncle rang me. My, so my, my first girl was born uh, on like a Saturday. 
uh, my uncle rings me on the following Monday and says, right, book your flight. I've got your tickets to Super Bowl. And so I'm like, oh, Jesus. I, I, my, my wife is coming home with the child. What do I do? <laughs> this is a genuine question. So That's I ring, the worst nightmare situation. Oh, like I, I ring my mother <laughs> and I say, listen, um, what should I do? And I shouldn't have rang a woman. I shouldn't have rang my, my mother says, don't you dare get on that plane. You stay at home. And like, I'm happy I stayed at home. But during the game, like oh, my uncle and my cousins are sending me Snapchats and videos. They're there at the game live. They win the game. I watch with my baby. All is good. But I look back now and I'm thinking, oh, I could have been there. I could have been there. But that's my that's my favorite. That's my second favorite team because you know maybe the circumstance, and also it was Brady and Gronk's uh, last ride. So I, I, again, that's probably more from a, I suppose uh, a, sent, a sentimental perspective. It was uh, it was a game for the purest. That, that's for sure. We will certainly you know like yeah. let's. Uh, Mark, let's see if we can get James to Vegas next year if, if the Pats get all the way and we'll, and we'll see the crack. James, um, I feel like this won't be the last time we talk about the Patriots, um, but certainly we, we appreciate you taking this time out, especially when it's it's a busy evening, uh, but we're, 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 we're getting closer to the season. I obviously hope you enjoy the season and uh, we, we drop your social links in the comments and folks, um, obviously James, thanks so much for coming on, man. Must appreciate it. And thanks for having guys. I enjoyed the chat. I don't, I don't get to chat this, this in depth about NFL very often with Irish people to the Americans I speak to across the water thanks for having me guys